This is Daryl Bailey. Thank you for tuning in, Servants for Christ. As we get into our devotionals, the heart of worship, a study of Leviticus for the time of Easter. Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Everything's going to be all right if you put it on the altar. Take your Bibles over to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 5, verses 14. And thank God as we'll go down to verse 19. And then Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, I, this is a devotion from the study of Leviticus. As we do this, we're going to relay it to Easter. Now, the Bible says, Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And so, when we look at the book of Easter, many of us today, we're reminded that Easter is easy to locate in the book of Leviticus. You say, how's that? I ain't never heard of that before. Well, you just follow the blood because it takes the blood uh, that makes Easter what it is so special as it's coming around, and as uh, uh, the second Sunday of April, that Easter will come around this year in 2023. Now, uh, to make an atonement for your soul, it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Because the Bible tells us, when we look over into Leviticus chapter 17, uh, verse 11, I'm glad that the Bible says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You know, the only price for sin that God will accept is blood. And for the blood is the life of every one of us. The sacrifice of blood means one life given for another. We should respect all life. I killed a fly just a while ago. It was trying to pester me. And I believe I got a little blood flowing when I did that. Amen. <laughs> but I tell you, the Jews, they were not to bring sacrifices of gain that cost them nothing. Because the animals that shed their blood involuntarily, but Jesus gave his life Willingly for the sins of the world, praise the mighty name of Jesus. And so, listen, let me tell you something. It's easy to locate uh, Easter in Leviticus. Just follow the blood. I'm glad that each and every one of us, that it is the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. And atonement uh, from the dictionary says satisfaction or... Uh, rep reparation for a wrong or injury amends. That's what the definition is. You know, every one of us, had we been alive when sacrifices were being offered in the tabernacle or the temple, we would have seen blood flowing from the altar and out of the place of worship. Blood, the sacrifice of life that it represents, and worship, they're intertwined. And they're inseparable, I'm going to tell you, in the Bible. And so, for the worshiper to be able to meet God, 
It took a lot of spilled blood and the loss of at least one animal's life. And so the formula for meeting with God to be able to prepare for worship, it meant spill blood, give up life. And the picture of the sacrifice with the blood spilling out to atone for the sin of one seeking to approach God has a picture of what was to come when God sent his only son to be the perfect and the final sacrifice. And so I'm glad for many Christians, the book of Leviticus, it's not an easy read. Uh, and so when we look at all of the powerful truths about God and ourselves that will profoundly affect the way that we live and the way that we think, how Jesus is exalted in the book of Leviticus, how important the book of Leviticus describes. The entire religious system of ancient Israel was in the book of Leviticus. And if we hope to get how religion worked in Israel, we must understand the book of Leviticus. And so when you begin to invest a little bit of your time in a book that nobody wants to read, nobody wants to spend any time, Leviticus is the record of the words of God in the direct speech with his servant Moses. And I'm glad that every one of us, how, you know, when we look and realize that the Lord, if you want to know something about the major gifts of the Old Testament, you know what? God will just show you in the Old Testament. I'm glad that you ain't got to worry about nothing, but uh, just tell us who God is. The Old Testament shows you who God is. The book of Leviticus shows you who God is. Hallelujah. And it's one thing for God to say, hey, I'm faithful. But it's uh, another to show what it looks like day by day, year by year, century by century. God's people, we begin to look at God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The character of God does not change even if the expression of it does. And so, how do we deal with Easter? Looking at Easter in the book of Leviticus. The most misquoted, the most misunderstood, the most... Uh, uh, ignored book of all the 66. You know what? Since we don't offer animal sacrifices, since we don't celebrate Israeli festivities as being uh, New Testament uh, Christians and celebrations, or we don't live under the Israelite ceremonial laws, then many people say, hmm, what's the point? This Easter I can do without the book of Leviticus. But there are many points to be made because I thank God when we look at this Easter season, April the 9th, God is holy. And when we see because uh, he's holy, uh, as he tells us in Leviticus 19 verse 1, all of the attributes of God where our understanding may be lacking. If we don't seek to understand the Old Testament, holiness has to be at the top of the list. I mean, what does holiness even mean? See, God is holy. We think about what's the part of the gospel that, that most likely for us to skip the action of God that we hate more than anything else. It's the wrath of God that we hate. We wrestle with it when it comes to unbelievers and all of the things in the world today. The wrath of God. It's something that we don't like to think about. We don't like to deal with for the very simple reason. The wrath is against us. That's terrifying. You know what? It should be. But let's 
Let's look at just a moment. What causes God's wrath? Sin. And why is sin a big deal? It's an offense to God's holiness. And so what is holiness? It's God's name. It's what angelic creatures cry out day and night, never stopping, not just once, but three times, praise God, making it the only attribute of God to be repeated as such. It's perfection. It's given to anyone, anything that belongs to God, including us. And even as we try to define it, we can't. It remains the mystery of God's character to be so set, transcendent, distinct in a way that we cannot fathom. That's the grandeur of God. It is the starting place for all the things that are right, all the things that are true, all the things that are good. We can find that's laid out in the book of Leviticus as God restates who he is, what he cares about. God is holy. Our sin always has a cost. And every one of us, suppose your father, he grants you a piece of land and you go and you farm it. And you make a living on that land. But there's only one condition. You have to get the rocks out of the dirt. And so with time, you see that all of a sudden, this is more work than I encountered. I remember when I lived over in Ackworth, over uh, uh, off of Alatoona. Man, I'm going to tell you, we had more rocks out there in that old black dirt. But that black dirt, it could grow anything. Man, I miss that garden spot. Hallelujah. But man, I'm going to tell you something. You've got to get the rocks out of the dirt. And with time, you begin to work on it. But there's just no way that you can, you can get all the rocks out of the property. Suppose that you, your father grants you that land for free. And so what do you do? You give up. And then your father says, hey, you've done enough. I've got another plot of land for you. And he explains this time, every one of the stones, all of the rocks, they're going out of the dirt. You ain't got to worry about none of them. And so you say, well, who removed them? I did, the father said. You go to the acreage and you find his promise to be true. The stones are gone and you're left to farm. And you know what? You're just so happy because you're sowing. You're, you're going to be able to reap. You ain't got any stones in the dirt. Hallelujah. And so, you know what? Somebody said, well, what in the world's that still got to do with the book of Leviticus? The book of Leviticus is the deed to the farm, praise God. A rocky farm given by God to his children, laden with stones, heavy with tasks, loaded with rocky rules and regulations, as it was of the sacrificial, as we know that the name of the book of Leviticus means pertaining to the Levites. And so Exodus and Leviticus were guidebooks for the priests and their ministry. Israel Today has neither priesthood nor temple, so the nation cannot obey these laws, but Leviticus has a great value to the Christian. It illustrates the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. It stresses the importance of the life of separation and obedience. Now let's get back to our little story. What's the book of Leviticus got to do with the deed to the farm? A rocky farm given by God to his children. Laden with stones, heavy with ties, loaded with rocky rules and regulations. Three months after their deliverance. The children of Israel spent a year at the base of Mount Sinai. They were nomadic people in a barren land, suddenly forced to live together, suddenly forced to travel together. They needed guidelines for hygiene, guidelines for the health, and they needed rules for worship and community. And for that reason, God gave them the book of Leviticus. 
a practical guide for the community, for the worship. But for us, it serves a still higher purpose. Leviticus reminds us that God takes holiness seriously. Any person who tries to be holy is soon convinced that he can't. He can't. She can't. There are too many rules. There are too many rocks to remove. We need some help. Help us, God. Help us, Father. We need a Savior. In other words, the law was our guardian, leading us to Christ so that we could be made right with God through faith, according to the book of Galatians. Holiness is what God desires, but holiness is what we cannot achieve. Just like the sun couldn't remove the rocks, so we can't remove our sins either. But just like the Father surprised the Son, so our Father surprises us. He removed the rocks for every one of us. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you. Here in Leviticus chapter 5, all the way down to chapter 6 verse 7, we look at the sacrifices the Bible tells us, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 14, verse 15, if a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks with thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. Now, many of us as we go through life, we notice that as we go through life, that of all the offerings, they had a lot of offerings, but one of the most important offerings, there was the sin offering. The instructions for the sin offering began back, in, uh, back over in Leviticus chapter 4. And the trespass offering was in uh, verse 6. The burnt offering in Leviticus 4 verse 7 and 10. The meat offering was in verse 13. But the main emphasis is still on the sin offering. That's mentioned several times. But I'm glad that every one of us, when we look and realize that as we read the Word of God, all of the offerings, the trespass offering that we read of, that's in uh, verse 15 of Leviticus chapter 5. It's the subject of the offering. It, the, it is the offering that you pay as injury to others and restitution for the injured because in comparison, the sin offering emphasized guilt and forgiveness and the trespass offering emphasized the needs of those who had been sinned against and the sin offering emphasized the needs of those who did the sinning. And so, we realize that the sacrifice for the offering, a ram without blemish, the stipulation with the offering, restitution for those harmed by the sin must be included. I'm glad that he says, he reads, he says in verse 16, and he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in verse 16 of Leviticus chapter 5 in the holy thing and shall add the fifth part thereto and give it unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. Somebody was showing me a, a YouTube a video of a lady of 125 years old, I believe it was, is either 115 or 125, and you know what she gave credit to? The Lord, because she had peace in her soul. She knew Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. Our sin always has a cost. 
And the role of sacrifice in the ancient world means that we gain a clearer understanding of the cost of our sin. The sacrifices the Israelites had to make cost them time, cost them money, cost them resources. Sin had a tangible price that they were confronted with daily, on a daily basis. They couldn't avoid it or they would be met by God's justified wrath that I was talking about a while ago. They couldn't escape the effects that it had on their personal lives and the lives of those around them. And so, the sons of the high priest, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, they disregarded the law and the fire from God consumed them in Leviticus chapter 10. In chapter 20, the punishment for various sexual sins was death. In chapter 25, a blasphemer that is taken outside the camp, they're stoned to death. And while we look at these things and we recall in horror, we often are horrified by the wrong thing. It isn't the sin that makes us angry. It's God's response. It isn't the sin that makes us angry. It's God's response. But the Bible doesn't leave room for defining what God hates as anything less than worthy of that hatred. Our sin is the problem and it is the high cost. It is our sin always has a cost. And so because the cost of sin is still paid for by sacrifice, we're called to sacrifice our bodies and sacrifice praise. And so Jesus is our high priest. The day of atonement. Easter is our day of atonement. Instead of one day a year, Jesus did it once and for all. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. And so every one of us, when we look and realize that in the Bible, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17, and if a soul sin and commit any of these things, which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet he, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. In verse 18, and he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance wherein he erred and wist it not, and it shall be forgiven him. In verse 19, it is a trespass offering. He hath certainly trespassed against the Lord. But it goes on in verse Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence, or hath deceived his neighbor, or hath found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely. In any of these that a man doeth, sinning therein, verse 4, then it shall be because he hath sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, verse 5, or all that about which he hath sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle, and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him whom it pertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. Verse 6, And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish, out of the flock, with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And lastly, verse 7, And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. You know, every one of us, the atonement 
for all of the sins as we look and realize that uh, when we go through life, if anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, they're going to have to bring to the Lord his compensation. And he said it's a ram without blemish out of the flock, value in silver shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. Now, it was offered if they were unintentionally broke one of the Lord's commandments. Now, you know what? When we go through life today, one of the greatest things that everybody does in the world is they want to be accepted by somebody. If you come on to a new job, you want to be accepted by the new people there. If you are uh, got friends that you're trying to make, you want those friends to accept you. And I'm telling you, the only way that Jesus can accept and pay the debt of whatever it is, of the sin offering, of the instructions is, is that because of uh, the sin, you know what? Somebody's got to pay the price. And our sin always has a cost. And that is the sacrifice for the offering, a ram without blemish. And for the stipulation of that offering, restitution for those that are harmed by the sin must be included. All the offerings, the instructions that were for all instructions of various offerings was the burnt offering. That was the instruction said that it was to be continual. The meal or the grain offering was instructions that emphasized the offering being food for the priest where they were to eat it. And the sin offering that added instructions focused on eating of the offerings by the priest. But the trespass, it was instructions included for the priest sprinkling the blood of the offering and eating it equally. Remember, you want to meet, uh, you want to relate to Easter in the book of Leviticus? Hey, the blood is the way. And so, every one of us, of all the guilt that breaks the consciences across America today, all of the emotional, the mental problems, all of dealing with guilt, there's all so much guilt that's out there in the world, amen. But when guilt strikes a person, we need to evaluate it. We need to determine whether the guilt is false or whether it's true. If the guilt is false, we need to accept the fact that it is false and move on with our life. And adopt the true laws of God's word to society. But you know what? Guilt is a feeling and it's a pricking of the conscience. And every one of us as we go through life, if a person sins, they stand guilty before God. His condition before God is guilty. A person may be so hardened in a sin that he or she never feels guilty. He or she never suffers the weight of guilt. Their condition and standing before God is, as I said, and as I read, they're guilty. They've got to give an account. They've got to face the judgment of God. That's what Easter is all about. But I am thank God there's only one escape from God's judgment. A person must be set free from the guilt of sin. And once they're set free from that guilt and declared not guilty, then they're able to stand before God without any guilt whatsoever. They're counted as though they're perfect and sinless. No charge can be made against the person because the charges have been borne by someone else. By whom? By the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Leviticus. That's the book of Easter. And on the cross, Jesus died for the sins and the guilt of man. He took the sins and the guilt of man upon himself to pay the penalty for man. 
And by this act, by dying for man, Jesus Christ sets man free from the guilt of sin. When a person believes and approaches God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God counts the death of Jesus Christ for the person. God counts the person innocent, counts him free. God counts that person sinless and perfect, blameless, and I'm glad they're acceptable to God. They've been forgiven forever and given the right to live in the presence of God forever and ever. What about the Old Testament believers? How were they delivered from the weight and the anguish of guilt? Through the sacrifice, the offering of an animal, a substitute sacrifice. God counted the sacrifice as a ransom payment for the person's sin and guilt and all that goes with their conscience. God counted the person free from guilt. And if they did this, the substitute sacrifice pointed to the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they were free from guilt. They were set free due to the uh, breaking of the commandment of God. Amen. They began to do one of the greatest things that when they were guilty, they stand before God and God began to give them the blood that was shed that he forgive that person uh, through sacrifice. Amen. And so I'm glad that every one of us, when we look and realize Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us. He bore our guilt. He bore the judgment and the condemnation of our guilt. We can now be set free from guilt by approaching God through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we believe God, if we approach him exactly as he says, through Christ, then God counts the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf in our place, in our stead, as our substitute through Christ, we're set free from the guilt of our sin against the holy things of God. And by that, I'm glad that holiness is what God desires. But holiness is what we cannot achieve. Just like the sun couldn't remove the rocks from the soil, so we can't remove our sins. But just like the Father surprised the son, so our Father surprises us. He removed the rocks for every one of us. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. He took every bit of our guilt and shame and he replaced it with his blood. Father, forgive us for falling short. Grant us salvation. Thank you for going to the cross. And Lord, believe in, Lord, as we believe in you, we believe that Jesus is your son. We believe that he took the punishment that we justly deserve so that we could have eternal life in you. And Father, thank you, Father, for Easter and for devotions from the heart of the study of the book of Leviticus, how to become acceptable in Jesus' marvelous mighty name. Amen.